0: Welcome to the Hustlers Manifesto podcast. We jailbreak from toxic hustle culture. We take Hustler back from the belief that bigger is better, security is contingent on compliance, and freedom is reserved for the powerful. I'm your host, Sarah Duran. I'm not here to tell you how to make a quick buck. I'm here to change the way work is done so we can live more meaningful lives right now instead of betting on an uncertain future. If you value this content, Please rate it and comment on this podcast wherever you get it. Thanks for being part of the movement. Hi, Rachel. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm so excited for this. I know me too. Um, So we connected, which is hilarious because I had Corey on my podcast a few, like maybe a couple months ago. Mm -hmm. And multiple of my podcast guests are like Corey connections. So just like another shout out to Corey um Corey thank made you, this Corey. connection and you and i had um just like a random like networking conversation and by the end of it we were like
1: yeah love
0: we love each other <laughs> and we're gonna like something something will come of this at the very least a podcast episode so yes. i'm glad that you're here
1: thank you yeah no i love being here and yes shout out to Corey. love you
0: <laughs> love Corey. um okay so let's jump in Um, let's start with, um, the three questions that I, um, ask everyone at the beginning and the answers to these kind of bleed together. So don't feel like you have to answer them separately. Um, so who are you, what is your work and why do you do it?
1: Yeah. So hi everyone. I'm Rachel Everyton. So I am the founder CEO of the executive ninja, which is an executive assistance and operations agency. So we support Executives, CEOs, small business owners, on their day to day, so that they can focus on income-generating activities, stay in their zone of genius, while we handle the the mundane things, the things that they don't really love to do, and really just that they could go full throttle in their business, right? And needing that support. And what was the other third question? <laughs> no, you're good. Um, why do you do it? Oh, I love doing it because I've I've been in the administrative or EA world for. 20 plus years now i didn't realize it at the time but it was something that i just consistently loved doing i always and like i would go into retail went back to an office work i would go to try something else like hosting went back to you know do be an admin at a uh, a lawyer's office and um and i just really love that i can support people in general and i'm always the go-to person so if you guys are old enough to know what girl friday is i mean i felt like i was like the girl friday right? And I just love helping people. Now building the agency, though, for me, it was really looking for financial freedom, time freedom, breaking the, the glass ceiling, because in corporate, you're like limited to this level of salary or level of climbing the ladder or people assume you're just the help. And really, there isn't any way to be promoted in a sense. Um, and I wanted to prove them wrong. And the other big part of that, too, is Hey, why not build a business that I love doing? It is my zone of genius, in addition to being able to also provide job opportunities, right? So, what's really close to my heart and my husband's is um, just really working with homeless shelters, women's shelters. And one of the things that are a big issue, I don't know about in the US, um, but which I've heard through the news, but in Canada, obviously an issue too is employment. And people can't get a job for whatever reason that may be. And I wanted to be that small change that I could provide that job opportunity to someone, right? So they would not only would I make an impact in their lives, they'll be able to make an impact in mine and my clients. And hopefully the bigger impact is more so is just supporting our communities and hopefully globally eventually too.
0: I love that so much. Um I remember the first time we talked, you said that phrase about breaking the glass ceiling for like administrative um, folks and getting trapped into this mindset where like you can only make X number of dollars as like an admin person or a VA or an EA. Um, I also like my first, well, my first job was as a teacher. And then after that, I had a variety of like admin, operations, office manager type of jobs and i had those jobs all through college cuz my parents owned their own business and i was basically like their office manager <laughs> yeah and um just like you i was like i'm so good at this like this is my zone of genius like i'm so good at this and i was incredibly appreciated by the people i worked for like i will not say like i will credit those people to seeing me as an equal member of their team and bringing me into important strategic conversations that i'm not sure that like all ea va admin folks get pulled into um but that but what you said resonated with me so much because i was like these are the people like these people are the glue of the Mm -hmm. organization like these people are the things that like make the ship run and it's not that, like, the C-suite or the upper leadership is not important. It totally is. But so many times I work with people, and this is why, like, my business ended up being so lucrative too, is, like, none of that, none of your, like, vision and strategy matters if you can't operationalize it and if you can't execute it. Mm-hmm. And so many of those big picture thinkers, which we 100% need too, are just not good at <laughs> operationalizing and executing no and um it was it was i ended up going like slightly a different direction where i just like spun it into more of like a project management focus which was how i was able to break the glass ceiling was to like call myself something different and take it to a different slightly slightly different place although i think almost all admin people are at heart project managers yes um but it resonated with me so much what you said because I just watched it. I felt that that's one of the reasons why I went out to do to start my own business. Is I was like, I don't, I I felt trapped in like this like admin operations world where I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was getting the right opportunities in order to like keep moving up.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I I, I agree hundred percent. And the funny thing is, back at corporate too, like there there was situations where they needed me operationally. Like one executive would be tired of hiring and they're like, "Rachel, find that person. And I'm like, but that's your job, not mine, right? And that's when I really started to realize like, oh yeah, like what you said, I'm really good at this. Like that I tend to think that I wasn't or wasn't fit to sit at the leadership table because of my title. Like again, Mm -hmm. the help, right? I'm not only breaking the glass ceiling in like that corporate world, but also breaking the glass ceiling in the online world. So when we, when I started my business, I was just a VA and, um, for those who probably may know my story, but I, when I first started, I was charging clients $10 an hour, <laughs> but that, but at that time VA had been around for a good couple of years, but it was still, it was still new wish people didn't know what was a VA and what, how they can leverage leverage one. And I think after like my first year in business, and then I kind of went back to that mindset back in corporate like, oh, I'm so good at this. Cause there were so many transferable skills, right? And, but then I remember being in the Facebook group and people like new VAs would come in and be like, well, how does one start a business? Or how does one earn like 5,000 a month or 10,000 a month? I don't understand. And people are like, well, you need to handle tech and you have to be an operations manager You know, there's no way you can earn 5,000 being in like EA, just doing admin work. And I saw that post. I'm like, bullshit, Mm -hmm. bullshit. And so I'm like, I want to prove them wrong. So that was like my goal in the beginning stages of my business was like proving people wrong. And I did, you know, people thought I couldn't have my business. Proved that wrong. People thought I couldn't earn 5,000 or more in my business. Proved that also wrong. People thought that I couldn't hold a team that would be so hard. To find like team and supporting clients and continuously grow that again I proved that wrong you know so to me like breaking glass ceilings is not just about the money but like again like that leadership that next level of support and how does that really like look like as a person and as a business right as a whole yeah so. and I hear you saying
0: it and this is not like calling you out because I say the same thing too but it's like we're conditioned to say just a VA, yeah. or ju- you know what I mean, just an op- <laughs> like I would sit at the table in some of the places that I worked before I started my own business of like their board meetings or other things, and I was like in my head, I was like I'm just the office manager, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and again, like I had some of the most amazing bosses who like brought saw me as an equal player on the team and brought me into those sit at those tables so yeah. it was almost like more of a limiting belief within my own mind mm-hmm. not to say I also worked with and for people who like had like did not invite people like me to those tables so like mm-hmm. not to say that that doesn't also happening um doesn't also happen um but it is I the other thing that it makes me think of which like hadn't occurred to me until just now is like, Something else that I'm really fascinated by is just this, I feel like there's this stigma around doers versus thinkers. Mm. And some, and I think that happens in the corporate world with like, quote unquote, admin folks versus quote unquote, leadership folks. Mm. I also see it happen all the time in like the blue collar versus the white collar world. Mm. Um, whereas like my parents um, own a painting contracting business. And so- my entire um, childhood, like, my dad um, – my mom sort of, like, ran the office, and my dad was, like, in the field. And so my dad was someone who, like, physically like worked with his hands every day. Mm-hmm. And I cannot tell you how many comments he overheard by people that he worked for about, like, telling their kids, like, this is why you go to college, so that you don't end up like this. Mm-hmm. And just this stigma around, like, people – I just think there's, like, a parallel between people, like, in the blue-collar car- world, the stigma against people that, like, work with their hands versus mm-hmm. people that, like, go to college and get to just, like, work with their brains. Yes. And this thing where I think there the the there's an interesting parallel to people who are the doers or the executors in a company versus, like, the big-picture picture thinkers and, like, the stigma that goes along with that.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which to build, I've built a multi six figure business, and I didn't go to college, like I did for like, momentarily, I, you know, I became a legal assistant temporarily, I hated that world. And so I left. So to me, I'm like, why did I even start going when I wasn't even gonna like stick with it. <laughs> so I mean, to each their own. I mean, we see we hear Gary Vee where he's like, I hated school, it didn't fit for me. And, you know, and he's become like a successful person. And he still loves the grind, like he will put his yeah. hands and do the work. I remember actually a conversation with my husband. He said, because him and I follow, you know, the big, you know, the big coaches around the world. And he had actually told me about an interview between Grant Cardone and Gary Vee. And uh, Grant Cardone asked him, who do you think works the hardest? And so I think Gary Vee along the line said, hands down me. Right. <laughs> and I think Grant Cardone got a little offended, Right. And because he thought he was bigger than Gary Vee and, you know, um, And he's like, well, I got this and I got that and I got this. And so again, I think teach their own, as far as their perspective, how Gary Vee took it as like, hands on everything, I'm willing to do the dirty work. So that's his definition of working the hardest versus Grant Cardone was more thinking about like, no, not touching the thing, being like working smarter, but not harder. And, you know, being able to reinvest and and amplify that way. And so again, like it's just two different worlds, you know, and not to say either of them are wrong or either of them are right either, but I think just looking at different lenses like that and like to your point with your your dad being hands-on and yet being this amazing business owner, you know what I mean? People just don't get that world that like it's all integrated, right? And they don't understand because they haven't been there. I always say like every single person needs to work in retail, right? And I, I always feel like if everyone did, I think it would totally be a better world as a people being a human being, as well as like, whether they run their own business or not that they understand like that customer support and treating someone as a human being too right
0: totally so i think i mean i think that's so true and i think you're absolutely right it's not it's not to say that one is more important than the other but mm-hmm. it's just i feel like the way that things get re- represented a lot of times in the world of work yes. um and especially when you think about how people get paid um mm-hmm. it just is super interesting to see it like play out in this way where it's like the thinkers versus the doers. And a lot of times, at least in my experience, like I'm not going to make a blanket statement. Um, We'll let the listeners, you know, think about how this has resonated with them in their own experience. But in my experience, there have been so many instances too, where I'm like the thinkers, um, the doers don't always get as much credit as the thinkers do. Right. Mm -hmm. Even though Mm -hmm. like they're 100% at the table, like helping, it would never have been pulled off without the, without the doers. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, it's, it's 100%. It's 100% necessary to have both. It, it's just fascinating to me how like one gets positioned as like, more important or better than the other and how that ends up being reflected in pay structures as well.
1: Yeah, I think of it as everyone has their own role, right? So if I take my specific industry, EA, VA, whatever title puts on it, I usually tell my clients that like, because they're like, well, what's the difference, right? Like I could hire a $5 VA, which I do not condone by the people. <laughs> um, but like a VA versus an EA. for me, I do say like, okay, a VA, if, you know, if we look at the, uh, you know, the larger amount of like VAs who are doing admin work, yeah, like they're just like the task doers, give them the task, they'll do it. And not to say they're not thinkers either, there's obviously they have to think to do the task and do it with quality, right? But as an EA, um, it takes it up a notch. So it's not even just thinkers, because again, VAs can do the same as well. But it's more like the decision maker, right? We mm-hmm. work so intimately with um, the executive or the business owner that we know how they think we know how they're going to execute. We, we're used to the decisions that they're making that we basically become their next decision maker if they're right. not around, Right. So like everyone has the role and a lot of my clients, they have both, they have a BA and they have me as in like my team as an EA, right? Cause they all play a different role within their organization. And like you said, nothing is not better than the other or anything. It's like, what are their particular needs for that specific BA and for that specific EA too? Right?
0: Exactly. Yeah. I think that's super smart. I was, um, a couple of weeks ago, I wrote a proposal for a new client from mine uh, for my business, I mean, the client-facing side of my business is um, project management, specifically for research projects for universities, so like large-scale grant-funded research projects. And um, when I I like call myself a quote unquote project manager, but I price myself as a strategic consultant, like a partner, right? And so it is, and part of it, like I think the terminology is interesting because. I always have to go in and like explain to people like, hey, if you're interviewing multiple project managers, like, depending on how people are positioning themselves, like, I'm I'm different than you know someone who's just like a, like you tell them what to do and they do it. Like mm-hmm. I'm like a I'm like a strategic partner in your project. I come in, I've done this a million times, and I can help you. Like I know exactly how things should pan out from A to Z. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's interesting because I think part of this is about the terminology is important both internally and externally, so Mm -hmm. that you're seeing yourself the way that you want people to see you on the outside. And at the same time, I think you're absolutely right about like part of it is the terminology matters because you're breaking down boundaries around how people see certain types of positions too Mm -hmm. um but it is that like strategic partnership aspect where like the people that I which I would assume is probably true about you is like when I discovered that I was so good at this it was because the people that I worked with were like they didn't even have to think about it anymore like I was just running their projects like it wasn't like they were like telling me what to do it was like I just got to the place where I was like, oh, I just run this project. Like you almost do, like you do, in my case, the research things and I do like everything else and you don't have to worry about it.
1: Exactly, exactly. And to your point with like how you show up internally versus externally, how people like see you and depending how you position yourself, like back in the day, like for me, again, like it was really getting over the the mindset of like, oh, I'm not just the help. Like I Mm -hmm. could be your partner in this business, like, you know? And so shifting that, And even now, and I realize with, obviously with, you know, self-development and how we as entrepreneurs always like grow, we're always hiring coaches, we're always learning. And um, it was a huge mindset shift that like, when I jump into sales calls or when I'm in a network group, that I'm no longer talking as a VA or EA person, right? It's like, I don't know if people will be able to see like the, the video here, but like, you know, one person's higher up and then the EA VA is like below them. And mentally now I've shifted that where it's all equal, right? Mm-hmm. I am talking to you now as a business owner and not just the help, right? So I think that like having that mindset shift and being, allowed me a much more confidence to speak like, I'm a shit, you need to hire me, mm-hmm. right? And boom, my sales call, like I close them like 95% of the time, you know, like that's how good, like such a huge mind shift can do for your business. And again, when you are working with the clients, too, the boundaries, the way they communicate with you is like whole next level of respect, you know, and they will see that, yeah, you are a task doer, you know, that you can execute, that you can run the project. But at the same time, there's this next, like a different energy of like, oh, like I better piss her off or she can fire me, me as her client, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It was just making me think about too, the, so the, on the coaching side of my business, the folks that I work with primarily are like solo printers. Mm -hmm. So like freelancers, consultants, like pretty much like single person businesses, maybe they have a VA or an EA or like other types of support folks. But, um, oftentimes I see that people get into this narrative with their business where they, as a, as a solo printer, they start getting really successful. And Mm -hmm. what, people tell them is the next step, whether it's a coach or society or whatever it is. The next step is you start outsourcing everything. Like you grow your business, you scale, you start hiring people, you start outsourcing the like do the quote unquote doing right. Mm -hmm. And then I, and sometimes that 100, like to your point, everyone has a role. And like, sometimes that is the right next step for people. Mm -hmm. Sometimes what I see though, is that a, people get like tricked into thinking that like having a team is the next step and that's not actually what they want because managing people is hard. Mm-hmm. And B, what, what also happens is that they end up outsourcing the doing, which is what they liked doing in the first place. And yeah. so just like going back to the like stigma around doing versus thinking is like, um, or strategizing, not just thinking, but like strat- whatever you want to call it, like big picture mm-hmm. um, thinking is we get tricked into thinking that like the, once you get successful, you don't have to do the doing anymore. And maybe yeah. you don't like you don't have to, but uh-huh. maybe you still like doing it. Yeah. Cause I see so many people get so far away from like the parts of their business that they actually like to engage in. And then mm-hmm. all they're doing is just like managing people. And they're like, yeah, yeah. this isn't funny anymore. Like what happened to all the work that I used to like to do now? I just pay other people to do what I used to love to do. <laughs> Um yeah.
1: Well, and to piggyback on that too, what I see on my side is when they do hire my team or whoever they're hiring, the issue is that they think that they hire a team and they can completely check out, right? And think that their business is going to grow. And like, no, 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 this is still your business. We're here to support you, not to run your business or own it. If that is the case, pay me the money, you know. But um, but yeah, people I, I just had this conversation actually with one of our corporate clients and he felt the same way because now he. He had a business that we worked with his corporate business um, just before the the pandemic had had hit, and he sold it. We had helped him exit out of that business. As someone bought it, and um, he's back again as a client. And we're trying to ramp him up. But him and I, he we, he's working as a consultant now um, as one of his like business pillars. And he we were having an amazing discussion about like the people that he's even working with, like other corporate executives, that. Because they've hired him, they think they can completely check out. And he's like, no, dude, you still have to do the work, right? And so it just amazes me all the time. And yeah, so I think like, yeah, the way what you've seen and what I've seen, like, that's just not the way to definitely move forward with with a team. Absolutely not, because you're not going to go anywhere. And for me, I think that if you're going to hire a coach, like, and you, you know, you deal with like, so and freelancers, and me as a coach, I deal specifically with VAs and E's, like, everyone's different. But really understanding when you do hire like Sarah or myself or somebody else that they're not spitting out textbooks either. Mm -hmm. Just because their coach, like Sarah's coach, my coach said me this, I'm going to spit the same information to the next person. No, I think that you really, it has to be very supportive. And like, how does one solopreneur that works with you, Sarah, like, how can you help them specific to them as a human being and, and their personality and how they work and also what their business is? right? It's going to be customized, but people like to throw all these textbook bullshit and think like Mm -hmm. that is the Bible and they move forward with it. Like people, you need, you need better buying decisions for sure.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think that it's so true. And that is like how like over the years that I've been doing this, I've completely changed the way that I coach people to focus first and foremost. Like the first thing I do with people is this like triad of like who you are, Why Mm -hmm. you do what you do and what you want. Because those are the things that most people don't, me included, think about and super intentionally. And then you get caught up in this thing, like, whether it's like what I said before, you get caught up in like, this is what scaling looks like. And so I'm just going to follow the map of what other people have told me scaling looks like. Even though, like, I actually didn't think about, like, do I want to manage a team? Do I want it? Like, what do I actually want out of this? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's hard because. As a coach, people come to you and they're like, I need you to fix my business, right? They're like, there's a problem with my business. And I'm like, yes, I see that there's a problem with your business. And I promise, like, we have to do this first. Because Mm -hmm. if we start just, like, quote, unquote, fixing your business without doing those foundational pieces first, then you get into a place where you're just, like, um, throwing more bad in with the bad. You're just, like, rebuilding a structure that still isn't, like, giving them what they want or need, um but it you just it's like it's like band-aid approaches where you're and again I've 100% do this that's how I figured it out like I've done it over and over again in my business too Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's it's I think especially when people are like deciding to grow a team it's something that I I see people take more lightly than they need to over and over again because I'm like once you are responsible which is why I'm a solopreneur like I watched my parents and my parents still have their business now. Like having employees is hard. Being responsible for other people's lively, livelihoods is hard. And it's peopleing. Yes. Peopling <laughs> is hard. It's a huge responsibility. I watched my parents multiple times, like not take a salary so they could pay their employees. Right. Like mm-hmm. you have to be so, com- you. it shifts the game in a way where like, you're not just, you, you're not just thinking about yourself and your own livelihood and what you want. You have to be, you are now like responsible for um, co-creating that with other people. And it's not to your point. It's not just about like, oh, I'm just going to outsource this. And then I'm just going to go chill in the Bahamas. Like that yeah. can't
1: be what it's about. So, and, and that's one of the key things that I even realized too, when I first started the v- the VA world, everyone was showing about digital nomad and, and this and that. And like, again, not to say that's complete bullshit, because it can happen. But again, that depends on the business model that you decided to take yes. and what your lifestyle is, right? So you say, I know you ha- you have a kid, you're married, okay, well, and you're a solopreneur. Well, me, I'm married, I have a kid, I have a team. And we deal with different types of people, too. But again, like my lifestyle is not a digital nomad, I have other commitments that need my my feet on the ground over here at home, I homeschool my kid, you know, and then for me too, like, again, like, I run a team, like I do have an operations manager that supports me in running the team too, but that doesn't mean I check out and not support her to help run the team either. Right. So yeah, no, peopleling is definitely hard. And is, based on my experience for the last seven years is I, I still love it. And I think it takes special kind of people to, you know, either a handle the business on your own solo, like yourself. And, and it's just the same equal hard me running a team and peopleling and dealing with problems day in, day out, right? And to note, I want to put a side note here, just because if you do have a team and there are issues that come up day in, day out, does it not mean you're failing and does not mean your team is failing? It just, that's just business. You know, there's our, our, our ultimate title as business owners are problem solvers, you know? So it's going, it's bound to happen. It's bound to happen every day. I see it in my client's business all the time. And it's just, that's the lifestyle of business doing business. So 100%
0: 100% I they, I totally agree with you because I think it's just about making that decision consciously like being mm-hmm. very like especially once you get into the realm of like you know having other people's li- livelihoods attached to your business is you just need to be super conscious about like is this what I want because now I'm like bringing other folks in the mix and you are right that is why like I get I sort of feel like I don't ever want to have like a full blown legit team, but like, who knows? Like I've, you know, life is flexible, but at least at this point, like I make a very conscious decision because like, I want to be able, I wouldn't call myself a digital nomad by any stretch of the imagination, but like, I want to be able to like take two weeks off and not have to look at my email. And I want to be able to like, you know, do the kinds of things that like you don't necessarily get to do when you are an entrepreneur running a team. Um, so yeah, it's, um, it, and you're right. Like it is, it's not easy. It's not, (laughs) neither one of them are easy, but peopling is especially hard.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, every bigger companies that have been able to do it as far as managing team, like right now, well, one, I'm a small boutique agency. So, you know, I I chose that business model not to have like a hundred clients and a hundred ninjas. You know, one, because I I really love being intimate with my clients and my team in general, like a small but mighty team. We're able to build a greater impact with our clients and most of our clients to amp up their packages too. So it feels like we're already gaining more multiple clients just by them upping it. But, um, but my operations manager and I have always continuously um, tested out like me being off three days, a week, two weeks and see what type of shit actually goes Mm -hmm. on fire and then we we pivot, we change, okay, what needs to happen in order for Rachel not to check her email while she's out for the next couple of days, right? And so I think the key thing for me with peopling and um, having like that operations manager is just communicating and them being on the same page with me with my mission and my vision and my values, right? So when I talk about, like my team are all subcontractors. So When I'm talking about my clients, I don't say it's my clients, right? I say it's our clients because even Mm -hmm. though they're subcontractors, they're still part of my team, right? Mm -hmm. They're, they're the face, they're faces of my company too. And so when they're on that same like buy-in of being able to support me, each other and the clients, I think it becomes a more easeful, not easier, but easeful to kind of just, okay, I can take a step back and I'll have full faith on my team that they can handle their own ship, right? So and then again, if anything breaks, it's just it's just another opportunity to like, how can we make it better then next time? Yep.
0: And that that is the art of peopling, right? (laughs) It's like finding the right people, empowering them to be equal, you know, members of your team, which in my experience is actually easier with contractors because they come to the table being like independent operators. Yes, Um, But yeah, it is. It is the art of peopling. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to touch on one other thing that you said um, Mm -hmm. before we run out of time, too, is one. So one of the things you said in the beginning is part of why you do this work is to also be able to just like be able to employ others. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's so it's super interesting because I I I see admin work and um, doing (laughs) of whatever nature as like one of the best entry points into freelancing. So like whenever I'm talking to people um, who are like considering being freelancers and they, some people consider being freelancers and they're like, I do X and I want to do that as a freelancer. And some people are like, I just hate working for other people and I want to go be a freelancer. Like, how do I do that? Being a VA or an EA um, is like, the, always my first answer because i'm like this is the easiest entry point um for you you know for mul- you have multiple skill sets you can figure out how to leverage them effectively in this kind of environment and then be able to also like dabble and see like what resonates the most with you and you know specialize a little bit more from there mm-hmm. um but i just wanted to, to to circle back on that because you said it in the beginning and i didn't want to i didn't want to yeah, like, yeah. lose it in the stream
1: yeah. I mean, we, we can totally touch on it. So for for me, when it comes to, yeah, it is an amazing entry point. For me, when I train VAs or EAs, there's two things I have them keep in mind. One, that they are coming to the table skilled at what they do. There's transferable skills from their corporate nine to five that they, whatever they're currently doing, it doesn't have to be corporate, but like there's transferable skills that they don't even realize they do because it comes naturally to them. So sometimes you as a business owner or coach, you need to pull them that out of them, right? And so that they can see the amazingness that they actually hold that they don't see themselves. That's why we hire a coach. Um, And then the other part is too, that even though if they say they were an admin or an EA um, at a previous job, it's also there's still a learning curve to transfer from nine to five desk to now the online space. There's so much still to learn um but it can like I said easeful to be able to transfer it and figure things out I think you definitely need to have the grit be able to figure it out be resourceful and then also being able to communicate like ask for the help you know um being able to have conversations difficult conversations good conversations any type of like communication like with people and I think that just kind of that's how it allows you to like build and transfer from like you know going to an ea or va or freelancer that type of thing i do want to make a note though cuz you did mention that um you know the people that you work with it, they say like well i don't want to report to, to anybody or like you work for someone at the end of the day and i actually expressed this to my team on our team meeting this week at the end of the day it's still a job mm-hmm. right and you are going to be working for somebody like even if you have clients they're coming to you for support, for requests that are coming in to you that you would need to do, Mm -hmm. you're still, technically, it's just a tiny mindset shift that instead of, saying working under them, you're working with them, right? See the difference? And so I think people need to understand that, like, because I see so many VAs, especially during the pandemic, when we had that big wave of everyone shifting because people lost their jobs, everyone got so confused because they thought, like, how do I make this work? How do I become an entrepreneur? How do I, how do I continue to build this business? And everyone got lost because they thought that they could be an entrepreneur just like that. Mm-hmm. But then the they still had the mindset of an employee mindset, you know, and and or even you know some saying that they're EAs, but really they were just VAs, as an example, with based yes. on my definition. Right? So, um, but yeah, if going back to circling back to your point. If someone does want to become a freelancer, the yes, the best entryway is a VA and EA. And I say that because a lot of um, skills are transferable. You could use the current equipment that you use on a daily basis. All you need is a laptop and a phone, you know, internet. Um, and then everything else is figure outable. There's so much resources in the online, on Pinterest, on Google, on YouTube, and Facebook groups that certain things that um, tasks that you would be doing is more or less like things that you would probably just do yourself as well as a business owner, yep. you know? So if someone were to say, Hey, I need you to schedule a meeting on my Google calendar. Well, you probably do that yourself as a freelancer or as a business owner anyway. So of course you could apply that to your client's work as well. Yep.
0: 100%. And I want I totally agree. I think that's a really important, um, caveat, something that like I work with, with the folks that I coach all the time and still even, you know, almost 10 years in myself, still find myself having to like make sure that I'm thinking with a boss mindset instead of an employee mindset, Mm -hmm. because it, it, it is a huge, it is a huge mindset shift. And the accountability, I think, is one of the key pieces of it, where people are used to what, even if you didn't necessarily have a nine to five job, like say you just decided to do this right out of college or right out of high school or whatever, mm-hmm. still like even education trains us. Like everyone is trained to be an employee. Mm-hmm. People are not trained to be entrepreneurs. Right. <laughs>
1: right. Um,
0: I would say even people with MBAs are not trained to be. entrepreneurs. Oh, no, absolutely
1: no. not. Nope. And so <laughs> it
0: is, it's a thing that you have to, you have to unlearn and learn how to like, hold yourself accountable in ways that are different than the way that like other people were holding you accountable before. Um, Because you're right. Like, and that I think goes back also to business model is like, it is, it also is about very intentionally choosing your business model so that you're not like, if you are selling yourself as like an on-call 24-7 VA, which I would not advise, but if that's how you're positioning yourself then like you have to be able to live up to that. That means that you probably are never taking a legit vacation and like <laughs> right? So those kinds of things like it's all about like how you think about your business model going back to like what do you need to get out of it for your life? Mm-hmm. Um because I like I literally and like I I'm this is not like hyperbole. Like I never drop a ball ever. <laughs> but I do take i do take like a legit like week off Mm -hmm. and i have expectations with my clients like my business model allows for that my client relationships and expectations with my clients allow for that um but it's it is all goes back to like forming your business in a way that it lends itself to your unique strengths and what your life needs to get out of your business um and just expecting you know like you said in the pandemic i think everyone sees those like ads or um, whatever that's like, hey, work from home. like just get on the phone like a few hours a day and like make six figures and like mm-hmm. no. that's not exactly how it works, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. So I think you're absolutely right. like you have to, you it is it, it is a mindset shift. and it's something that like I still to this day continue to like refine and learn over and over and over again.
1: absolutely. And if you're gonna shift to the world of entrepreneurship, I mean, the quickest way to, to learn is just to execute, take action, mm-hmm. like we're all going to fail. I'm sure like, Sarah, you yours and mine combination of shit, we totally failed at during the first couple of years is probably mm-hmm. up to like what 1000 5000, you know, things that we failed on. And honestly, I think that's how we grew pretty fast, right? I tried, I failed, okay, that went wrong. So let me try it this way now. You know, especially when you didn't in the beginning, don't have the financial means to hire a freaking you know five thousand ten thousand dollar coach to work with right um again like having the grit and being resourceful is just gonna get you so 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 far even if you don't have the financial means to invest in the in a in a coach at the moment
0: yeah I think that's so true I think that we get trapped so often in just like you know perfection being the enemy of doing. <laughs> and yes. it's and scary, right? <laughs> but like you have to, you're not gonna know you're not you're it's a, it's always gonna be a journey. You're never mm-hmm. like to this day, I am still like constantly shifting. Like how do I talk about what do I do what I do? How do I talk about the problems that I solve for my clients? How do I better position myself when I'm doing sales calls with people. Um, And it's an iterative process. Like you learn by every time I have a project or a client, I learn differently about like, okay, Okay. this is, this is how I position it differently. This is how I price it differently. This is how I structure it differently. Um, Yeah. You 100% learn by doing.
1: Yeah. I'm a recovering perfectionist. So I truly know that if anyone follows Enneagram, I used to be a one, which is all about like perfectionism and making sure it's all right. Now with all my, Years of experience in entrepreneurship. I'm now a three. Like it's so interesting to see. And if you read those definitions, you're like, uh, like it's part of that journey that has happened for the last seven years for myself. You know, and I'm for that perfectionism is like out the door. All I care about is taking action. Is it going to get me the outcome, the result that I wanted? Cool. And I want to touch a little bit about the team too. And and um, for team. Um, you were talking about like, you you know, where people check out or people think like they have to hire fast and then, you know, they they outsource the thing that they love doing. One of the other things that I always um, think about too is when you do hire a team, really understand what you really want to like outsource. What do you love? What do you like-ish? And what do you hate, right? And I think, and then also listing like what I do with my clients is do an activities inventory checklist. What do you do day in, day out in your business and then cut the shit out that, you know, that you could probably outsource and then what you can keep for yourselves. Like you said, like keep the love, you know, like that's what we do in our business. And just because you love and you're executing, Mm -hmm. right, that does not mean, again, that you fail because you kept the things of what you love doing, right?
0: Yeah, I think that's 100% true. I always have people think about it with like the it's well and it's the. I can, I'm not going to remember it. The Venn diagram, the like overlapping Venn diagram of like, what do you love? What are you good at? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Because, and it's never one of the, like, it's actually not, like, I think the problem with that diagram is like, it's actually not that thing in the middle. Like, it's not the thing that checks all of those boxes. It's like, it's subjective. Like, you may love doing something that like, take that you're not very good at. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And like, maybe you're going to hold on to it anyways. It's going to make you a ton of money. Maybe not, but you're holding on to it because you love it. And, you know, it's always that, like, math that you do as a business owner where you're like, okay, like, maybe I'm going to have to, like, have this client for a little while that isn't exactly, like, the ideal thing that I want to be doing. But, like, it checks these other boxes for me. And so it helps me, you know, get down the road to do this other thing eventually um, or helps me build a relationship for future work or whatever it is. And so, um, yeah, it's definitely always like a combination of, of those things, but it is it just going back to being intentional. I just yes. recognize it over and over again in myself and in the folks that I work with where it's like, we're just not, we're acting without like intentionally thinking about like, why am I doing this? And like, what do I want to get out of it? Yeah. Um, you're just like doing because it's quote unquote, just like the next thing that you were supposed to do.
1: Right. And the thing, the other thing that people get caught up on when hiring a team too, that you know, you know that uh saying where like, oh, hire people who do it better than you, right? There's a caveat to that, right? Mm-hmm. As well. Like marketing. No, no one can't do it better. They're not you, right? So yeah, you can hire a copywriter, but like and they can emulate the way you speak or whatever. And I think that goes back to the whole like checklist of like, what do you love doing? What do you not like doing, right? And then finding the ones that you don't really like doing and not touching ever. Yeah, absolutely. Find someone who's 100% (laughs) better than you. But for others, for me, for my team, because we play more or less the same role as EAs, you know, like I, I still train my team, you know, continuously because there's always something new to learn. Everyone's different. The way they learn is different. Our clients are different. And for me, I used to think like, oh, I'm probably a shitty leader because I feel like no one's like 500% better than me. You know what I mean? But also everyone's, their um, what do you call it? The the life path is different, right? Mm -hmm. I probably have the most experience. And so I think of it as like having that mental shift of like, as long as they can complete 80 to 90% of what I'm able to do, that is good enough. And it still keeps us growing and making impact. 100%.
0: 100%. I think that's a perfect place to end on. Um, this has been lovely. Um, we'll definitely have you come back in the future. And um, tell, us, tell us where we can find out more about you. We'll make sure to link everything in the show notes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So if you want to visit my website, you can go to theexecutiveninja.com. And I'm on socials too, but my my most playground that I play in is Instagram and you can find me there at Rachel Everton. Wonderful.
0: Well, thank you so much, Rachel. Thank you, Sarah. I appreciate you.